thank you so much, worship team, for leading us to the throne to worship this morning. And I'm also so grateful for those that worked to really help us celebrate, even with all the decorations here today. I love... I love the lights and just all the um, ornaments that we, we have at Christmas time. <clears throat> I especially love like our home at Christmas. I come in, I smell that just that fresh pine um, as we've we've settled the debate in our home of real versus fake, and we've got that pine smell from the can. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, it's a little bit of berry. <laughs> Apologize if you get too much of berry today. But <clears throat> you have that smell, that fresh cut tree and the ornaments. And for us, the ornaments, they're, they're a picture of Christmas past. We share ornaments with our kids and you look at them and you remember the past. But also you have those gifts under the tree that you're celebrating even that year and what's coming ahead. And I, I feel a, a bit Advent season when we when we um, take the time to go through kind of that Advent calendar as a church and and we look at these four Sundays of different characteristics, it's really almost like as a church we get to open a new gift each week. Um, and I feel that gift that we get to look at this week is hope. Um, we've heard the, the Advent reading around hope. <clears throat> as we begin, I don't want to assume that everyone is familiar with maybe an Advent worship for a church. So Advent really comes from um, a Latin word, if you would. It's, it's a compound word. Ad means to, vent means come. So it, it literally the word means to come. It's a celebration of Christ coming. And, and that celebration um, begins four Sundays before Christmas. Um, we celebrate with a wreath. You'll see we have our, our wreath here, and there'll be four candles around the perimeter. Commonly in the evangelical church, we, we celebrate hope, peace, joy, and love, different themes of those weeks. We've even, here at the church, we've provided a, a company and, um, accompanying box for your family to celebrate if you have kids. Um, our kids department just put together a, 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 a special box on their own to accompany this worship. You can grab one of those if you want to worship through the week. Um, but as we work through this, it, it celebrates... The dynamic, as we get closer to Christmas, there's more lights. We light each one, and as the light grows, there's a growing anticipation and excitement all the way to that center candle, which would be lit on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning to celebrate Christ's arrival. That's the Christ candle, if you would. Um, and it's all meant, again, to engage us in the 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 dynamic of waiting for the Messiah. It was that waiting that occurred early on. But we also wait for Christ's second coming, and we'll get into that as a part of our message. But that would be Advent, and that brings us to our, I want to say our first gift again, our first candle that we're going to look at today, hope. Um, how do we understand hope? I, I, I believe in our, our culture today, hope can oftentimes just be uh, at a level of wishful thinking. For some, it's maybe equivalent to a positive attitude. Or others, maybe it's just, uh, you know, what is the probability of something? I'm hoping it's going to rain because you see that it's like 50% chance of rain. It's a probability thing. Um, I hope the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Probability? (laughs) You're saying there's a chance. 
hope. But seriously, hope. It's, it's, it's not always based on a strong foundation. It's, it's, it's more wishful. We, what do you hope to get for Christmas? What do you hope to get out of this relationship? What do you hope to get out of the message today? We, we hope to pass a test, make a team, or found, find a spouse. The use of the word hope is significantly different than the biblical understanding that we find for hope. Um, there are three different words in Scripture to, that refer to hope. I want to take some time to, to dive into them because I, I do believe it's important we get that deeper, richer understanding to what hope is. The first is a Hebrew word, yakal. As I speak Hebrew, I need a little bit more. Because <laughs> there's a little bit I, I've learned, I've listened. <laughs> I, I am not multilingual. <laughs> The first is yakal. It is literally means to wait for. A second Hebrew word, however, is kavah. Kavah has this wait for idea as well, but with anticipation. The, the root of kavah is kav, which is, is a, a cord, and kavah would then be a cord that is being stretched. So you get a cord that's, you know, that's like anticipation. There's this expectation that comes with that and you get that visual even of the word so you have a stretched cord Isaiah 8 17 I'm going to read some Old Testament scripture and you can hear that waiting that even that waiting with stretching there so Isaiah 8 17 I, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob I will hope in him see Isaiah writes I will kavah in him there's this cords stretched up waiting for the Lord. You find in Psalms 135 to 7, I kavah for the Lord, or I wait for him. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. And later on, O Israel, yakhal for the Lord, or hope in the Lord, for the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And the last one, Psalms 39, and now, oh Lord, what else can I kavah for? You are my yakal. Simply to show that it was a significant part of the prophets, of the psalmist, to have this waiting with anticipation in the Lord for him to come as the anointed one. Um, as we move into the New Testament and Greek as well, the... The hope carries the same um, depth and anticipation as the Old Testament, just this coming of Christ. But it's the coming of Christ not only for his birth, but for his full work of redemption and ultimately to make all things new. You see this hope in the Lord is, is for that uh, full work of the Lord. And we'll see that in our text as we proceed today. So hope is so much rich, richer and substantive than we casually use it today. Biblical hope, then, I believe can be understood as confident trust that God will keep his promises. So due to such an amazing foundation and focus for our hope, you actually see our hope really becomes more similar to faith. And, and that'll be evident as we move forward, too. <clears throat> this hope as well that we see communicated in Scripture from the prophets, from the psalmist, was usually not just a personal hope, but it was a, it was a hope 
ultimately for God's full redemption for mankind. It was, a, it was expressed that God would come and take his rightful place as king to bring peace and to make all things new. And I, I think it's such a bold hope that you're longing for a savior to again to, to make all things back in harmony, if you would, <laughs> to make all things new. I, I'm caught up with all the news that I even looked at today. I'll, I'll grab my phone, I'll say news of the day, and you just see the, again the continued war in the, the Middle East and Ukraine, the, just the prevalent hatred and prejudice that exists, the division, the discord. And I go, oh. <laughs> Really, how can we have hope in something like this, in a time like this? And yet we see an example of Scripture of those who had just such a hope, a hope with that depth. Um, I'm sure that a thousand years ago, you know, as they were in an oppressive world as well, in this first century, there was a challenge to muster up hope. But then came a baby. <clears throat> then came the Christ child, not an ordinary child, God himself taking the form of flesh to step into the creation that he made with a mission of redeeming mankind from their sin. And there is hope. Martin Luther said, everything that is done in the world is really done by hope. The question is not do you hope, but what you hope in. I've chosen for our text Luke 2, 25 to 35. Um, I'm aware that the passage I've selected is actually after Christ's coming. Some of you are going to like, this is a strange passage to look at for um, an Advent time as we're looking forward to Christ's first coming. Um, and you're, you're choosing a passage that uh, occurs right after he came. The reason I've selected this is I believe there's such a powerful um, picture of an image of hope in the life of Simeon. And Simeon had to wait with such anticipation. He was this cord that was stretched with expectation. And so I want to look at that with you today. So Luke 2, 25. You can follow on the screen, screens or in your Bibles. So now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother, mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is anointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. We see in this text that Simeon was living with a hope for Christ's arrival. His hope 
I believe, reveals three different um, components, if you would, that we're going to look at for hope. First, the foundation for hope. Second, the focus of his hope. And third, just that formation of hope in our lives. So first, what I think really makes biblical hope, this idea of hope um, different than the casual hope we talk about, is the foundation for hope we have. You see, if hope was merely a positive feeling that didn't require a desired outcome or a certain outcome, you know, it wouldn't need a sure foundation. If it, hope was just a response to a set of circumstances or probability, again, you wouldn't need a sure foundation. But again, these things, hope really doesn't mean much. You know, oh well, didn't happen. Next time. Biblical hope is different. Again, it's that confident trust that God will keep his promises. This requires the sure foundation of God's word. So it's, uh, the first part of that foundation of hope is a foundation founded on God's word. It's evident in this passage that Simeon built his hope on God's word. He referenced prophecy in verses 29 to 32 as he spoke of this Christ child. I can read again in 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all your people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to, to your people Israel. As, as you read that, you can hear even the words of Isaiah. We, we've been shared some earlier. Isaiah 9.2 People walked in darkness, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the deep darkness, on them has, shown, has light shone. Isaiah 49.6, is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may rest to the ends of the earth. And finally, Isaiah 52.10, the Lord has barred his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Simeon was very aware and understood the, the prophecies of the coming Messiah. His hope had been founded on that word. Now, Simeon also had received a special revelation that we, we read about that he personally would see the anointed one in his lifetime. So if you would, in that first advent, that first time that there was Simeon waiting for Christ to come, you see Simeon as this stretched cord waiting with anticipation and expectation because the prophecies were foretold and given. He, he was standing on God's word. I believe another component to this foundation for our hope is the character of God. Specifically, it's this attribute of faithfulness. God has an amazing record of keeping promises. Even as I wrote that, because it, I think it's, under, it's understood by us to say he's got a great record, I'm like, I don't know that we can even use a, the word record with God because that, that will usually refer to percentages and God's always consistent. He's always 100%. There's never going to be a, a percentage um, you wouldn't think of saying what is his chances because it's just always there. 
He's always faithful. That is the foundation we, we have for hope. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. <clears throat> now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I'm going to read another, just another passage because these really build that foundation for the hope that we're called to. 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13 says, you know, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he, will also, he, will, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. That is amazing. God is faithful. Even if we're faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot deny himself. It is who he is. That is the foundation for our hope. The final factor of this foundation that we have for hope is the resurrection. Um, This proof we have in the resurrection was not something that Simeon obviously had at that time. Simeon had untold evidence of God's faithfulness to the the children of Israel. But today, we have this proof of Christ raising from the dead. The resurrection uh, of Christ provides this amazing evidence that supports Just a strong foundation of hope. Here's some of that evidence. The tomb was opened for us to see, not simply to let Christ out. Let us see again that we have a risen Lord. And that gives us proof that Christ was telling the truth. He was going around saying he was the Son of God. (laughs) Proved it. Christ was also sharing this authority to um, forgive sins. And he died as a sacrifice for our sins. And his raising again to life even becomes this proof that the sacrifice would be sufficient. Also, in a risen Lord, you see a Savior that has the power for eternal life. I can imagine someone at that time going, Jesus, you're saying all these things. You know, you're forgiving sin, taking that authority. You're saying you're the Son of God, power of eternal life, prove it. Okay. We have that. What an amazing evidence and foundation we have to stand on in a living Savior. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have this hope that again comes. It's a living hope that comes because we have a living Savior. An amazing foundation we have for our hope. That our hope would would look so different than the hope that um, the world may have. Point number two, what is the focus of our hope? Well, looking back at Luke 2, Simeon's hope was clearly directed on that child Christ. The text reads that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Well, this would refer to the fact that Simeon was waiting for the anointed one to come, the Messiah. And it should be understood that this hope was not even simply for the arrival of a Christ child, but that in the arrival of that anointed one, that Messiah, 
was then beginning the, the fulfillment of God's redemptive work for all mankind. His hope was, if you would, not simply for Christmas, but for that full work from Easter to the second coming, for the king to reign in peace and make all things new. Simeon had been waiting with anticipation, as we read earlier, in, like the psalmist and, and the prophets, um, <clears throat> for the Lord to redeem Israel from its sin, as it said in Psalms 130. His hope was in God. Listen to Luke 2.29. <clears throat> I love this. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. So he was waiting for the Christ child to come. Here was Christ. Mary Joseph brought him to the temple. He put him in his arms. He has him in his arms. Got the hand holding the head. I'm practicing this. This going to be a grandpa here next year. <clears throat> so Simeon's holding this child. And he's like, the promise has been fulfilled. The promise has been fulfilled. You said I would see it in my lifetime. I'm ready to die. That's basically his words here. Let me, let me um, jump there and read that again. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. What a picture. I, I imagine Simeon's thoughts as he's holding this child. I'm now again experiencing God's faithfulness to his word. He promised that I would see the, the anointed one, and, and here he is. <clears throat> as he holds this child... Simeon saying, I'm experiencing God's amazing character of faithfulness and his grace to a fallen people as he's holding that child. And as he holds this child, he becomes aware again that this child would actually come for the redemption of man. And I wonder at that moment if that's, Simeon is just reflecting on all that Christ brings, who's holding who? You know, he's, he's holding this child, making this declaration, but this child was really the one where his hope and his faith was based on and his trust was in. And what, what a powerful picture. And I think that's a picture for us as well during this Advent time that in a way as we think again about in our minds considering that Christ child, in all the hope that it brings, the Savior that came um, as a child, that child, again, is really the one holding us, the one that our focus is in for hope. So our foundation, again, is, is in God, and our focus is in on Christ. Finally, there's a dynamic here of hope that's the formation that goes on in ourselves. See, it's, it's pretty important to not see hope just as a futuristic thing. This is something that's out there. But rather, it's the future speaking to how we're living right now. Um, just a fun illustration with this. The best way would be if you knew that tomorrow was your last day. So you have this future understanding. How would you spend that day? That would be then the present situation that's impacted by a future knowledge. We, we were on a trip once, and my wife just said to the kids, um, if, if, if you, know, you had like one more day to live, what would you do? 
and, and we were just sitting there, and it was, it was a fun conversation in the car. Um, so my eldest son, a little bit more introspective a bit, he thinks a bit, and then here's his response. Well, I'd probably spend the first half of the day whining that I only had one day left to live. <laughs> and then the next probably quarter of the day frustrated that I spent the first half of the day whining. <laughs> and then he said the, the last quarter of the day I'd try to just connect with as many of family and friends as he could. And I'm like, wow, that's the picture of, of who he is. And what my daughter said, well, I'd kiss a boy and break the law. <laughs> <laughs> just what a pastor wants to hear, right? <laughs> But the dynamic is if we do know the future, it should speak into the present. And that's the dynamic of hope. It's this understanding of knowing what God's going to do and being working and allowing that to then form who we, we are. So back in, in Simeon, I see that clearly a, a part of this formation for him was I need to stand on the word. My life needs to be shaped according to God's word and his promises because that's what you know is sure. So it goes back to even the foundation that we have. Our life is formed as we just stay and stand on that foundation. You know, there's approximately 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Prophet Malachi to, if you would, the ministry of John the Baptist. So... Sometimes we have adversaries to this hope and standing on the foundation of the word, and one of those is time. Um, a gift that I loved for Christmas was the jack-in-the-box as a kid. Got pop goes the weasel as you turn in the little knob, right? Yeah, we got one of these for our kids when, when they were young. I loved that gift. <laughs> so you're just cranking it, and for me it illustrates how long would you put up with that gift turning if it never popped. You know? Time can be this thing that wears away at our hope. Would you turn for 10 minutes? Would you turn for a day before deciding to give it away as a white elephant gift? <laughs> Would, or a week. I mean, at some point you're like, I'm throwing this away. But in a way... It, Time is this adversary for our own hope as well, that we start to, to question this foundation we're standing on. And you see Simeon being an example of, no, this is my rock. This is where I am standing. This is where I'm at. And I'm trusting in the fulfillment of that promise. And I believe the first way our lives are formed by hope is, is that we allow that truth to be the place that we stand and we hold on to. Um. <clears throat> Uh, a, second, a second dynamic of this is um, that we see Simeon was referred to as righteous and devout. And that I see is, is someone that's in this relationship, this expectancy that I'm going to see Christ and I, I want to live, live my life in such a way that I'm ready for that, that I'm ready to honor that, I'm, I'm, I'm submitting to that. It's, it's the future speaking into what we're doing now. Um, just yesterday, I was spending time talking with my brother-in-law who's a, a missionary in Kazakhstan and he was sharing, um, you know, before Easter they... 
They have an extended celebration over there, and they actually got other celebrations as well throughout the years, where there's like these seasons that you're given um, free days to just do whatever you want. These sins aren't going to be considered against you, and I'm like going, oh, my heart breaks for that, that you'd live in such a way that's not in consideration with our future and, and the fact that we have this relationship with God and take for that for granted. You see Simeon having this devoted, this, this life that's described as a righteous life. And I, I believe that is a challenge for us as well. Um, that we allow our lives to be formed. A, a, a beautiful thing as we look for this formation is the hope that God's not finished yet. That God, God is still at work in our lives. Philippians 1, 6, 6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul just said, I am sure of this. He is saying, this is a solid foundation to stand on. You build your life on it. God isn't done working yet. A part of hope is, is recognizing that what we're seeing going on around us isn't the end. It's not all done. In your life, he's not done yet. In your family, he's not done yet. In our church, He's not done yet. In this world, we see all these wars and all this. He's not done yet. We have this, this confidence that while we're waiting, God is still at work. Let me bring this to some just closing application for us to, to carry home. Um, Simeon, I presented to you before you is this stretched cord, this cord that we've, we've looked at. Well, I want us to now somewhat see ourselves as that stretched cord. Um, you know, we remember Christ's first coming, but we also look forward for the hope of his return. We have this advent, if you would, that we look back to, but we have an advent that we look forward to. As a stretch cord, we today are ones that are still waiting. We're waiting for Christ's return. And I'm going to just share three pictures with that cord. So if you got that cord in your mind, where's the car, guitar? Here it is. So <clears throat> I, I pictured a guitar string. It's stretched. Part of that stretching is what, what allows it to, to be played. And there's the vibration that's, that's created there. <clears throat> so as... As you're, you're stretched, as you're waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises, waiting for his return, rest in Christ. Rest on that foundation. God's strength, his presence, his promise, his will. See, God's not done yet. But someday he will be. And we can rest in that truth. So as you consider yourself that string rest as you're stretched to wait, the box that keeps getting cranked and you're waiting for God's promise. Secondly, in hope, sing through the stretching. 
little berry words that tie into uh, what I want to share is allowing and, and recognizing God glorifies himself in our waiting. Um, I really want to go up here and show you on Grayson's guitar that when I turn this knob, it changes the, the, the tune on here. But um, as that is stretched, it really can, in a sense, illustrate a, a beautiful sound that comes out of that. And different people have to experience a different amount of waiting and different types of trials and different situations over history. It's almost like these strings coming together that God can truly create this beautiful music out of as we wait on him, as we allow him to, to create this glory from his church. And it can be just a beautiful picture, but it's only possible, if you would, as we allow that stretching, that waiting to be a thing where God is glorifying himself through our submission to his will and to his work. I think that's a, a beautiful picture. And that is, I want to say, one way we hope in God. We hope in him to sustain us, but we hope in him to glorify himself in the journey. And finally, um, in our hope, we actually have the opportunity to step out in faith, to to take steps that you normally wouldn't do. Um, a part of my study in hope, I was drawn to, to look at the prophet Jeremiah. And for time, I'll, I'll just refer, this, refer you to this. Jeremiah chapter 32. Um, the prophet Jeremiah is prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel. And, and at that time, Babylon is, is coming down on the city. I mean, it, it's eminent that they're just going to take over the city and they're going to um, take Israel captive and into and to bondage. And um, Jeremiah also receives a prophecy that God would restore Israel. Well, in the midst of this, he, he actually gets imprisoned, um, being misunderstood, and, and not so. So in prison, he has a family member that Jeremiah receives a prophecy as well that he's going to come and offer to sell him some land. It's basically you know, like a suburb of Jerusalem. And th that's just crazy. Hey, our nation's about to be just taken over. Uh, we're going to all be left captive. Can I sell you my house? <laughs> It's crazy. I'm, I'm picturing like the Titanic trying to sell timeshares to the people on the lifeboats, right? It doesn't make sense unless you know something we don't know. Jeremiah had this prophecy that God would restore. And so even a part of this process says, uh, take that bill of sale, put it in these jars and secure it so it lasts for a long time because I will restore this. And you see, Jeremiah goes through and he buys the land. You see, here's a person that put his faith in what God is going to do, and now that understanding of the future is impacting his present, and he's just stepping out in faith. And you see this incredible picture of somebody living their life in hope. And I, I long for that for us, too, that we would invest in God's work and his kingdom and those things that will endure forever, because that's a sign of that we're trusting in that future of what he's going to do. Today, as we consider hope, the hope that came when a, when a child came, you know, 
so long ago that Simeon held up and he's just celebrating how God was faithful and then at the same time recognizing the child is holding us and that's our hope. I believe that's a call for us in this Advent season, again, is to consider where is our hope and who is it in. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word, how it just even speaks to us, how that we can have this life and this hope that's, that's not just a whim or it's not an emotional feeling, but it's, it's a confidence in your promise that can just transform our lives. And God, so we're so grateful for that hope and how your word teaches us about that today. God, I pray you'd be doing that work in us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.